I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Today we continue on in our series, Psalm for the Seasons, by looking at the 51st Psalm. At some point, have you ever said, that person is a good singer, or that person is a good communicator? You might say, that person is a good teacher, or that person is a good leader. Have you ever said, that person is a good repenter. Now, it seems a little bit awkward, doesn't it, to say that? Because we don't ever know if a human response is actually coinciding with sincerity of the heart. It's been said many times through the years that the writer of the 51st Psalm is a good repenter. His name is King David. I want to read for you the 51st Psalm That is known as a psalm of repentance. Hear the word of the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. G. Campbell Morgan said about the 51st Psalm, this great song, pulsating with the agony of a sin-stricken soul, 
helps us to understand the stupendous wonder of the everlasting mercy of our God. Do you find yourselves at times feeling like a sin-stricken soul? Like you need to call out to God, cry out to God for forgiveness. Because friends, we all need forgiveness. Psalm 51 is what is called a penitential psalm. It's a psalm of repentance. There are several of them uh, in this book. And most believe that David wrote this psalm at a time when the most magnified sin-filled story of the whole Bible. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse number 5, describes David by this. David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. What an amazing verse. Maybe you're listening right now and you can relate to this. You've got an except in your life. What's the matter? The matter is, is that one day David looked over on the rooftop to the home next to his palace. There he saw a very beautiful woman bathing on the rooftop. She was married, had a husband, but yet he summoned her to come to the palace and he committed adultery with her, which led to her being pregnant cover this up, Uriah, one of his faithful soldiers in his army, he sends him to the front line of the battle, hoping that he would be killed in order to cover up the situation and make it look like that the child that was born would actually be Uriah's. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Uriah was killed. David brought Bathsheba into the palace to be his wife, and he went back to his kingly duties and responsibilities. You see, David thought that he had succeeded in a great cover-up, covering up his sin. And while on one hand, he, he had his wife, he was in the palace, he thought he succeeded. What we find in reading Psalm 51 is that actually David was a very miserable man. He was miserable because of his sin and what he had done. So it's during this time that most scholars and writers believe that David wrote the 51st Psalm because he was reflecting and thinking back on his life and what he had done, and he wanted to be thoroughly right with God. Friends, part of being thoroughly right with God, I believe, is keeping short accounts with him, short accounts of our sin, because it is sin that separates us from a holy and righteous God. Please hear me today. The greatest issue we have right now in this moment is not COVID-19. The greatest issue in the world is sin. In verses 1 through 5, David gives us a great picture of how to approach God with our sin. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. What actually prompts me to go to God with my sin. When you approach him, when you pray and you seek him, what is actually prompting you to do that? I believe there are two ways that we approach him. The first 
is we're confronted by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, in John chapter 16, verse number 8, it says, And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me just say, we all ought to be thankful for conviction. We ought to be thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit. You can see it in the text that David is thankful for that. In that, he says to God in verse number 11, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The Holy Spirit came upon David. The Bible says when he was anointed as king, David knew that he needed divine help to overcome. He knew that he needed the strength and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life because he was going to continue to struggle with sin. And David was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to live a life pleasing to God. David doesn't want to be out of fellowship. He doesn't want to be out of God's presence. So he says, God, I can't live a holy life without your help, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what brings us to God in confession and repentance is the work of the Holy Spirit. But I mean, there's something else that God uses, and we see it in the story of David. Sometimes it takes a brother or a sister or someone to confront us in our sin to wake us up and realize that we need to repent. It might be in a conversation. It might be in a sermon just like this. It might be through a teaching moment. Here's the story of David. You can read it in the Old Testament. There's a man, a prophet by the name of Nathan, who comes into David's presence. He begins to tell David the story about a man who had a, a, a lot of possessions. He had a lot of cattle and a lot of herds, if you will. But there was one family that had a beautiful little lamb that was the family pet. They loved that lamb. That lamb, no doubt, was with them all the time. It was a prized possession. Nathan says, David, the rich man went in and he took that little lamb from that family. And in that moment, in David's pride and in his anger, he declares in outrage that that man who did that to that little family, he is going to be punished severely for his behavior. Nathan, the prophet of God, points his finger at David, and he says, David, you are the man. The picture there was of David who took Uriah's life, who took Bathsheba to be his wife. What a powerful moment for David. He's already miserable, right? He says here in the text that his sin is always in front of him. He's miserable over what he had done. But now he has been publicly exposed for his sin. You know what I love about Psalm 51? It would be very easy for someone to say, well, you know, he just got caught in the moment. Or sometimes we say, well, they were only sorry because they got caught or they got it confronted. Now, again, back to what I said a few minutes ago, one of the reasons we don't say they're a good repenter is because we don't always know that a human response is attached to the sincerity of the heart. 
But you know what? That's not what Psalm 51 shows us. David is broken over his sin. He doesn't call it a mistake. He doesn't call it a mishap. He doesn't blame it on Bathsheba for luring him into this relationship. He calls it what it needs to be called. He called it sin in his life. You know what David's doing in Psalm 51? He's grieving over his sin. Let me ask you something. Isn't it easier to grieve over the consequences of sin or to grieve over the chaos that we create because of our sin, the mess that we have made, than it is to truly grieve over our sin, to know that we have offended a holy and a righteous God. And David does not say, God, the, the consequences are in front of me. He says, my sin isn't, is before me. In your Christian walk, isn't it better when you just acknowledge your sin, when you deal with your sin, when you are proactive in your sin, when you confess it to God and it doesn't take someone else to point it out for you? David says, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, God, I'm asking you to erase my sin, to wash me thoroughly, to cleanse me from my iniquity because I know that I have transgressed against you. My sin is in my mind. I'm replaying it over and over and over again. God, it's weighting me down. Some people say the question is asked in verse number four, but yeah, what about the sin against Uriah, the sin against Bathsheba, the sin against David's family? The point in that verse is not that that all didn't happen. The point is, is that when we sin, the most important thing in that moment is to know that we have offended a holy and a righteous God. David cries out, God, I was born a sinner, and now I'm defaulting into my flesh. I'm defaulting into my original sin. David comes before God, and he is honest, and he is transparent. Please hear me. I, I, I really believe that we need to hear that today. That's the way we should approach God. Not with a flippant attitude, not with a casual attitude, not with a blaming attitude, not with a not with words like, well, God, you know what I've gone through and that's why I did that, but to come before God in humility and to approach him and to call our behavior exactly what it is. In verse number six, David shifts and he begins to focus on being restored in his relationship with God. David longs to get back where he was. You may be feeling that way today. There might have been a time when you felt closer to God or, or more on fire for Jesus and you want to get back close. God, I'm not where I used to be, but I know where I want to be. Verse 6 says, in this repentance process that we must seek truth and wisdom because that's exactly what God wants. God wants truth in us. He wants us to be honest and transparent. He wants, David cries out for God to teach him the wisdom 
of making the right decisions in the private place, in the secret place. David calls it exactly what it is. God, I've transgressed. That word means I have crossed over the boundaries. Please hear me today, friend. God has always clearly established boundaries for us. Transgression is when we go outside the boundaries. God, I've got iniquity in my life. That word means a perversion, perversion, depravity. We're constantly going to battle our flesh our whole life. And because of that, he says, I have sinned. That word sin means I've missed the mark. Sin pulls us away from that fellowship with God. And David says, I want to be restored. God, teach me. God, guide me. I want to be truthful. I don't want to be deceitful. I don't want to be underhanded. I don't want to cover my sin anymore. I want to be transparent. God, I want to be right with you. I want you to purge me with hyssop. Hyssop there is a branch that would grow in cracks and crevices. You'll find it in your Bible at the time of the Exodus when the people were told to splatter the blood over the doorpost and the angel would pass over them, right? They were told to put that blood over the doorpost with a hyssop branch. When the blood was applied to the altar in the temple, it was applied with a hyssop branch by the high priest for the covering of sin. David is saying, I want my heart to be right. I want to be clean. God, wash over me. Then he goes on to say, I want my joy back. Verse number eight. God, I want to be glad again. You know, you know how it is, don't you? I, I do. When you're struggling with sin, when you're wrestling with that, you kind of lose your joy. You lose your song. You're not as glad. You're not as happy. And David admits here in the text that it's affecting him physically, mentally. It's affecting him in verse 3 in his eyes, verse 6 in his mind, in verse number 8, his ears, and literally the bones of his body. He's shaken all the way to his inner man. Verse 10, his heart needs to be created again. He needs to get his spirit right. It's affecting his hands in verse number 14. He confesses that his lips have been different. He's been talking a different way. And he says, God, I, I want my lips back. I want to be able to praise and sing and glorify you. I want the joy of thy salvation. Sometimes we misquote that verse. David knows that his salvation is from God. And of course, as we looked at in Psalm 27 a couple of weeks ago, where David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. We look at that a little bit differently today after the cross. But nonetheless, David knew that he needed deliverance. God, I need the joy of your deliverance. Please hear me, friend. Sometimes we need deliverance from our enemies. Sometimes we need deliverance from our problems. Sometimes we need to be delivered from ourselves. And David was distant. God, save me. God, deliver me. Bring back that joy, God, that only you can bring. 
when I'm in a right relationship with you. And the kind of joy that David talks about in verse number eight and verse number 12 is a joy that only comes from being right with God, knowing that you have nothing that you're hiding, nothing that you're trying to cover up. Remember this, friends. Before there can ever be true joy, the joy of the Lord, there must first be repentance. There must be confession. The word repentance means to change your mind, that you think differently about whatever you're doing. You don't think, well, you know, I'm justified in doing this. This is the reason why I do this. Or when we confess our sin, that word means to say the same thing that God says about our action and behavior. We just come before God and we get open and we get honest. Say, God, I know and you know. Many times others know. God, clean me, wash me, give me the joy back, renew my spirit, refresh me. I want to be closer to you. What happens when we live a renewed and refreshed, repented life? In verse number 13, he pivots. This is how we live in a restored life. I love verse 13. David said, God, I want to get back where I was because I've got a mission. I really believe in verse number 13, we see evangelism. We see reaching out to the lost and the broken and those that are bound up by sin because David says, God, I want my influence back. God, if you'll refresh me and renew me, what I want to do is I want to spend my days. I want to teach transgressors your ways. God, I want to go out. And I want to find people who are living outside your boundaries. And I want to teach them what a joy, what security and what blessing it is to live inside the boundaries of God. God, I want to go out and find the people who have done some of the, some of the silly, foolish, knuckleheaded things that I've done. And I want to say to them, you're a sinner. You need to repent, and you need to return to God. That's exactly what verse 13 says. Verse 14, David can feel the heartache over the innocent blood that he has shed. God, if you'll deliver me from this guilt of what I've done, very likely a reference to having Uriah killed. God, if you'll deliver me from this guiltiness that I have, God, this is what I want to do. I want to be in real worship the rest of my life. And I want to spend my days offering up to you a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. I want to do that as a humble, broken man, knowing that my humility and my repentance is pleasing to you. God, you're going to open my mouth for praise. Then he talks about in verse 16 and 17 about the sacrifices of God. What pleases God? What kind of sacrifice is pleasing to him? Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. I love what Charles Spurgeon said here. He said, a, a crushed heart is a fragrant heart. A crushed heart, a broken heart, a broken spirit 
It's a fragrant heart, meaning that it is a sweet savor to our God who loved us so much that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross and to shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness of sin. So now that we live after the cross, we look back and we say, God, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for giving us your best and your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, God, I want to give you my very best. I don't want to stay tangled up in the things of this world. I, I don't want to stay tangled up in my sin. I don't want to hide it or cover it. I want to confess it. I want to praise you. I want to thank you for your forgiveness that is granted at the cross. Oh, the beauty of the cross. The beauty of the cross. Could we come to the foot of the cross today for just a moment before we take communion? And could we gaze upon it? And could we see the price that Jesus paid for us? He took our sin, our punishment, the wrath of God upon himself. He died and he suffered. Not that we would be casual or flippant about our sin, but that we would be thankful and broken over our sin because it's our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Oh, the day when I was 13 years old, when I called on the name of the Lord, I repented of my sins and I asked Christ into my life. My life has never been the same. Have I messed up? Have I sinned? Absolutely. But the beauty of the gospel is that I need it every day to deliver me from myself and to deliver me from my decisions. And you know what? That has a big party in verses 18 to 19, and I'm done. David pivots right at the end, and it's, and it's like he is saying, I, I, God, please, I don't want my actions to hurt others. David had a love in his heart for Zion his hometown, his home city, God's holy city. God, would you please bless Zion? Would you protect us? God, in this place, as you bless us and protect us, we want our families to be right. We want to offer the right kind of sacrifice. God, we don't want to go through the motions. We want to have true hearts that are turned toward you. And you know, friends, the same should be true for us today. We should have a love and desire for our hometown. Let's, let's start with our home. We should have a love for our family, our church, our friends, our community. You know, the Bible says that sin brings a reproach upon a nation. That's what it says in the book of Psalms. And right now, if you're truly growing in Christ and you're maturing, you're not saying, well, you know, I just really don't want to hear how bad I am. What you're saying is, man, I need to hear that more often because we all need to repent and be restored and renewed so that we can go out and live the gospel and truly make a difference. You know, Psalm 51 fits in today so beautifully with us choosing this as a day to do communion. So we're doing communion at our outdoor services. 
but we want to take a moment and give you the opportunity to do communion. What is communion about for the Christian? It's about coming back to the cross. It's about being confronted with our sin. It's a time to examine ourselves and to see if things are right with the Lord. It's a time for us to read Psalm 51 and say, oh God, would you expose anything in my heart? You suffered in your body on the cross, pain and agony. You shed your blood for a reason. And that reason is because of the awful, awful thing called sin. If you're not a Christian, we pray that right now you'd pause and reflect and let God speak to you about being born again. Every person must acknowledge that they're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess their sin. If you're a Christian today, right now, it would be most appropriate for you to pause and for you to say, like the hymn writer said, God, see if there be any wicked way in me. Could we pray together?